This is the Blue Bomber Podcast with CFL Hall of Famer and my broadcast partner, Doug Brown. That's just it. If we're tricked, you're allowed to tackle a ball carrier if we don't. It's my understanding. I I used to do it anyway, so. (laughs) First time pass interference has ever been called on a nose tackle. That is, wow. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at CJOB.com. Here it is. It's the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Doug Brown of Mean Tweets directed at Doug Brown. Doug, that feature absolutely blew up last week. Before we talk about the Banjo Bowl and we talk about this bye week for the Blue Bombers, Bombers 8-3 and three, exactly where we thought they might be at this juncture of the season heading into the bye, Doug. Did you get any Mean Tweets in the last couple of days from I folks mean, I in Saskatchewan? I Mean Tweets every single day of my life, okay? <laughs> about one thing or the other. So that's the beauty of Twitter. It's nothing but rainbows and sunshine just thrown at you and, and designed to brighten your day no matter how things are going for you. So that's just the nature of the, you know, the business being... Uh, being in professional athletics and now uh, expressing an opinion, uh, you know, if your opinion is not that of the masses, or even if it is, there's still somebody that has a, a problem with it and wish you didn't say something or that you were on their side. And what's always fascinating about it, though, is just how much, how personal people take it if they don't agree with you. It's like, hey, man, it's my opinion. It's my job. It's, you know, what I'm getting paid for to do. And uh, it's like you curb stomp their puppy. You know, they take it so personally and uh, they get so angry. And I'm like, wow, this is sports, this is entertainment, this is supposed to be fun. And uh, that's what makes it compelling is that we can discuss and, and dissect and, and, and comment and criticize and critique. But uh, <laughs> some fan base, I'm not going to say which one, awfully hypersensitive and thin-skinned, if you are to say anything uh, disparaging their play. On the football field, so never mind their play, Doug. It was proven with science. Blinded me with science that we have the loudest fans between the two stadiums, and I think it's fair to say that we can extrapolate across the league that one of these two fan bases, one of these two stadiums, Winnipeg or Saskatchewan, would have the loudest fans, would have the loudest stadium. Science proves that Winnipeg is the louder of the two stadiums. Science, I love that. Science. Which which would mean that we have the loudest crowd in the yeah. CFL, like yeah. the banner says. And you know what some of these Green Rider fans had to say? Oh, well, uh, wonder what the decibel level was like on the fourth home game of the year when they only had 27,000 people were sold out. They can't even take yeah. a loss yeah. with the yeah. least bit of humility, Doug Brown. Well, now I'm getting on Twitter, I'm getting, oh, Doug, what's your take on Darvin Adams and his phantom... Uh, unintentional pass interference or whatever. So there's that call. Darvin Adams run a flyer out. He gets tripped up. Um, they did a review or something. They called it unintentional pass interference. They thought their legs got tripped up. If you look at it slowed down, he kind of just trips over his own feet kind of thing, right? So it was a phantom. And so somebody on Twitter is like, hey, what's your take on this? I'm like, here's my take on it. Karma. That's what it is. So, so let's, let's that's my hot take on Darvin Adams and his phantom pass interference call. Karma. There you go. 4828. Was that karma or was that a very good football team in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers getting back on track? Oh, it comes around, goes around. But, you know, they displayed all the characteristics, everything we thought is part of their makeup, who they are, their identity as a football team. Talking about great play by Matt Nichols, accurate, distributing the ball, ball security, you know, even running and trying to truck somebody. That was amazing. I, I was like, wow, there's Jerome Bettis until 
the ball got stripped from him. But, you know, the game was already over at that point. But still, that's inspiring when you see your quarterback do that. As long as it's not Buck Pierce and he runs head first into somebody. But put a shoulder down, took somebody on. That's amazing to see a quarterback do that. So, And then defensively, you know, uh, I still can't figure this defense out. They still give up a ton of yards. They gave up some points, but they made a lot of plays. Right? Mo Leggett, unbelievable out there. Oh. Chris Randall, unbelievable out there. Uh, they had Kevin Glenn uncomfortable, and Kevin Glenn, you know, put up decent numbers, but he also threw two picks, right? And that's that's the Kevin Glenn that we're used to, not the one we saw at Labor Day Classic. It's the guy, he'll play well, but he's going to make, he's going to give you those opportunities, take the ball away, turn the tide of the football game. That's what we saw in this game uh, against Saskatchewan. So we saw... We saw the Bomber offense and defense play like we're used to seeing them play. Special teams was awesome. And then we saw guys like Kevin Glenn, you know, regress to their norm, right? It was it was how we've come to know them as well. So I really think Labor Day Classic is an aberration, and we're back to normality now. Twilight Zone has ended. So this is closer to normal. Yeah, this is how. Of, yeah, this uh, is this is how they've been performing. I mean, they're eight and three, right? Right. So you would think a good performance is more common for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers than what we saw last week in Labor Day Classic, which is what we talked about going into that game. It would not matter the record of the two teams. Yeah. Uh, the Labor Day Classic is typically where the Saskatchewan Rough Riders hang their hat. It's always they a pain that, in the ass, right? Yeah, plain and simple. <laughs> you know what? You, you, I love when you put it in those plain and simple terms. Can I put it in plain and simple terms? I love. My Maurice Leggett. Yeah, he's, uh, I tell you, if he hadn't missed those games at the start of the year, you know, you uh, he's already, you know, in contention for obviously defensive player of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You have to think whether he would also be the front runner for the league defensive MVP if he hadn't missed a stretch of games there. Chris Randall's been playing very well uh, this season, but Mo Leggett is just, he does it in so many different ways and you can just, you can just book on it, you know? It's not going to happen every play, but you know at some point in the game he's going to do something and turn the tide. There's going to be spectacular. That interception where he took the ball away from that player, I mean, that was to have that kind of ability and timing and and just talent to be able to to take that away. And then obviously one of the greatest special teams, uh, I don't consider a lot of special teams plays great, but one of the greatest I've ever seen was uh, that Fake punt return, where it was still a punt return, but it was uh, everybody in the stadium. We were like, what the heck is going on here? Amazing. It fooled everyone in the TV truck. Kevin Fogg did an amazing acting job. Maurice Leggett did his job. But I want to go back to that interception real quick because it wasn't just the play that he made on the ball to actually catch it and take it away from the Saskatchewan receiver. It was the sheer determination to get six points on that. He, He did a spinorama move, rolled off for off of a couple of would-be tacklers. You knew when he got to that 30, 25-yard line in Saskatchewan, nothing was going to prevent him from getting into the end zone. And that's what you need from guys that are your genuine leaders. It's a great play superseded within that exact same great play to finish it off with an exclamation mark. Well, that's the difference between good and great when it comes to your evaluation of player. A good player makes that pick, gets tackled. Good play. That's, That's amazing, right? A great player makes that pick and just keeps doing more and more and more, right? You know, it's it's that difference of that mentality that he was just getting started, right? He got the interception, which was an unbelievable play by itself. And then you take it back to the house. That's just that's the difference in gradients between good players and 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 great players. And, and that's what he's turning into. We'll come back and we'll talk about another great player. We'll talk a little bit more about Matt Nichols. And we'll talk about some of the great things you're doing in the community right now, Doug Brown. It's the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. I'm Greg Mackling. Stick around. 
Hey, hey, it's Greg for Doug. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, sharing, and subscribing to the Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown. We want to send you to an upcoming Winnipeg Blue Bomber home game. And you can do so. You can get in on the winning by texting 204-780-6868. And the secret word this week is MO. M-O-E for Maurice Leggett and his outstanding performance against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the Banjo Bowl. That secret word again for free tickets to see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is MO. M-O-E. Good luck. Thanks once again for tuning in, downloading, sharing, and subscribing to the Blue Bomber Podcast. Whether Bomber fans call or text, Bob Irving makes sure your questions get answers from Mike O'Shea. It's your chance to stay connected to the blue and gold. The Payworks Bombers Coaches Show with Mike O'Shea and Bob Irving, Monday at 7 on CJOB. Welcome back to the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Let's get back to the action. Welcome back to the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. I'm Greg Mackling, and as mentioned off the top, 8-3, and three, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as they head into this bye week. And Doug, when you're playing well, I know you want to continue to play, at least that's uh, the philosophy from the outside. But after 11 games in a row, you have to imagine that there are some players that are absolutely grateful beyond words for an opportunity to rest their bodies, to see their families, and to get a little bit of a break from the game. Yeah, I mean, we were just starting to see, a, I think, an onslaught of injuries defensively, right? We had Loeffler out. You had other guys moving around, different shifting positions. So there's going to be a bunch of guys banged up, nicked up. And this is the best way to go in your bye week, right, on, on a positive note. Because if you lose and it was ugly, it was it was a bad loss, it just lingers with you. It sticks with you and just ruins everything for the time you're away. And uh, like you said, very true that when you're winning and you're streaking, you want to keep going, um, even though they're only on a one-game winning streak right now but you can really enjoy your time away more so uh, when you're playing well you're eight and three you can relax knowing hey we got a really good thing going here and it gives you that perspective you're like okay I step away for a moment now you you look at what you got left you get seven games left in the season look who the opponents are and you're like we can get this done and, and sometimes it's a motivating force right you get that opportunity if you're not playing every week, you get that opportunity to step away from the situation, look at the big picture. And uh, I think a lot of these guys are realizing, like, wow, we're in the middle. We're past the middle of what could be uh, an exceptional uh, career-defining season for a lot of these guys. And and I think, uh, you know, as long as they take it seriously and, and don't take their foot off the gas pedal, who knows what the limit is for what they can accomplish this year. We've heard a lot of stories over the years about what some players do on the bye week. I will never forget the Blue Bombers heading into Labor Day Classic. It must have been about four or five years ago. And Saskatchewan was on the bye and we heard how Darian Durant had spent his entire week off studying film on the Blue Bombers to get prepared for the Labor Day Classic. Other guys, they just need to get away. They haven't seen their families, so they go back home. What did you do during a bye week and what did most guys do? I mean, there are a lot of guys that that do live in Winnipeg year-round, so this is their home. They don't necessarily need to go home. What are guys doing this week? You know, it's it's individual, but I would say, uh, you know, for myself and and like-minded players myself, the bye week is an opportunity to get back on top of your conditioning and your gym work, right? It's always tough sometimes during a season uh, to get your workouts in, to get your conditioning in, so on and so forth. You, you have so many time uh, constraints and pressures on you. Uh, you're working out before practice and you just don't get 
uh, the work to the degree you want. And uh, I think they're going to take advantage of this opportunity to buy week. At least I did. You get on top of your condition, you get it back, you ramp it up, you make, you get yourself feeling better. That's a whole part of it. It's uh, that's therapy uh, in a month itself. Just doing these exercises, this conditioning and stuff. That's that's as as good sometimes as going to see your head trainer, and uh, you know, getting him to uh, to treat you as well. So for me. A lot of times it was going back to Vancouver, BC, where my family is, and I try to do the gross grind every day that I was off during, every you know, day? once a day, just oh, once a day, I would go geez. up there and well, it's beautiful, right? You're, you're out, you're beast. on a hike, you're in, you're in nature. It only takes an hour. Well, an hour if you're out of shape, but anyways, and it was just something different for me. It was a good experience. I would get my workout in, I was getting my conditioning in, yet I was climbing Grouse Mountain, which was fantastic. And, uh, you know, just, and then you come back and, and you're like, okay, you're still zoned in on football. All your reads are, are tuned, but now you have that physical edge that you bring back to the table too. So if you take care and treat that bye week properly, uh, it can be very advantageous down the road. Okay. I want to do something called the good, the bad, the ugly. The good, good. Matt Nichols. How good is Matt Nichols, not only as a leader, but in terms of a player? Is this a guy that the team is genuinely rallying around and giving them their best? You pointed out some a couple of different plays that Nichols made uh, earlier in the podcast, but how good is Matt Nichols? I think, you know, the, the best thing you say about Matt Nichols is he's resilient, right? And he doesn't, he doesn't go into dry spells and weak moments for a long time. We saw a subpar game for him in the Labor Day Classic, and you just know he responds. And, and that's one of the things, you know, watching and observing from afar, you can just predict these things that when he does, when he has a game that is not in his nature and, and doesn't reflect his statistics on average for the most part, you just know that irks him. And, and that bothers him and a chip comes on his shoulder and then you get the game that we saw the following week in the in the banjo bowl which was you know the the Matt Nichols we've come to see and uh, he's consistently performing that way for the most part since he's taken over here so I think he's very good I think his ability to bounce back is one of the most impressive things about him good the bad the Winnipeg uh, secondary and I'm not going to pick on any individual players but just in an overall sense all we heard leading up into the game Saturday was the elimination of explosions plays. Saskatchewan had 200 plus yards and explosion plays on consecutive weekends against this defense. Yes, they've done some excellent things. It's high risk, high reward. We know all the superlatives, but even Mike O'Shea now is admitting we need to fix this. Yeah, I mean they're a light switch, right? They're on or they're off. There's no there's no one thing or the other. They're either off and people are gashing them or they're on and they're picking balls and returning for a touchdown, right? There's no happy medium whatsoever with this defense, but you know, they are 8-3. and three. And uh, you you work with that, but you know, you know it's uh, you, you think about Greek mythology and Achilles heel, right? What is their Achilles heel? It is their secondary and their tendency to give up these big explosion explosion plays, all these yards. And you have to wonder whether that will be their undoing at some point in this season. They have a lot of talent, a lot of potential, but that is their vulnerability. That is their weakness. You hope it doesn't rear its ugly face when it matters the most. At least we can say, hey, we've known about this since last year. So what are you doing about it, right? That's your argument for the offseason if nothing continues to change the rest of the season. But when you know about it and you don't do something about it, we knew that this was the weakness of the team and here we are 11 games in and it's still the weakness of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Well, they have done some things, right? They've brought in, there's different starters now, there's different players back there. Of course, after you do all that, 
and it's still the same, then you start wondering, oh, well, maybe it's a scheme. Maybe it's a coordination. Maybe, maybe that. And you're running out of, you know, because it's not like they just said, hey, our secondary is awesome. Last year, even though they had, um, they were on the right side of all those turnovers and they had all those picks and like 30 picks or something like that. And their plus minus differential was amazing. It's not like they said, okay, that's good enough. No, they went out and they recruited and brought in competition and they changed players all over the place. And yet we're still seeing kind of the same performance right now. So you're running out of things where you're eventually going to have to put the spotlight on the coordinator if it continues to struggle to this degree. The Ugly. There is a columnist out of Regina, won't say which corporation that he works for, owned by the government of Canada. But he's suggesting that maybe it's time to change the name of the Banjo Bowl because some people's feelings are a little bit hurt. Doug, you've been involved with some major rivalries along the way. Is this one of the better rivalries and should we just leave well enough alone? Yeah, I mean, it's a joke, right? Like the the name... it wasn't a serious comment or criticism. It, it was something that was playing up to the nature of the rivalry in the first place. I mean, uh, Manitoba gets called these things just as much as Saskatchewan does from people outside of the Prairie Provinces, right? So more in common with them than yeah, not. exactly. Yeah, we we have more in common with Saskatchewan, unfortunately, than we are different from them. So to say, oh, we have to take this name away because of the origins of the comment that happened is is to not have perspective on where you're living actually right now so i don't know it's absurd it is ugly as you have uh, categorized it and yeah it's just one of those like you know I, I feel like this is probably what they were saying about my comments about the the faking injuries in saskatchewan in a radio moment uh, last week but anyways uh, i think it's it's absurd it's ridiculous but Download, share, and subscribe to the Blue Bomber Podcast, Google Play, iTunes, and of course at cjob.com. We've got among the most inefficient healthcare systems in Canada right here. So tell me why anyone would defend the status quo. Jeff Courier, weekdays 10 to 1 on 680 CJOB. Hey, hey, it's Greg for Doug. Thanks for tuning in, downloading sharing and subscribing to the Blue Bomber podcast with Doug Brown. We want to send you to an upcoming Winnipeg Blue Bomber home game. And you can do so, you can get in on the winning by texting 204-780-6868. And the secret word this week is MO. M-O-E for Maurice Leggett and his outstanding performance against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the Banjo Bowl. That secret word again for free tickets to see the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is MO. M-O-E. E. Good luck. Thanks once again for tuning in, downloading, sharing, and subscribing to the Blue Bomber Podcast. Welcome back to the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Let's get back to the action. Greg Mackling, Doug Brown. It is the Blue Bomber Podcast. Thanks for subscribing, downloading, and sharing. And don't forget to stick around for that secret word so we can send you to an upcoming Winnipeg Blue Bombers home game. And Doug Brown, just want to take a minute just to pat you on the back. It's tall reach, and I know you're humble and all that sort of stuff. But Motion Ball for Special Olympics, $115,000 over the past weekend. What is Motion Ball? And... Just tell us a story like only you can, brother. All right, let me, let me tell you this. So it's this second year I've been involved in this thing. Um, it's a different fundraiser. It's unlike anything you've ever done before because you put a team together and there's two competitions. You have a fundraising competition, see how much money you can raise with Special Olympics, which is amazing. So you're competing if you're 
of the nature of me and my teammates. Um, by the way, we're called Blue and Old. So a bunch of former Blue and Gold Blue Bombers. And Perfect. Uh, a bunch of my buddies that are firefighters. So we're all competitive. So we're competing against each other, raising money. Uh, then you get prizes from Under Armour for how much money you raise, so on and so forth. And then you there's a sporting uh, component of this for us weekend warriors. You know that you know when you're overcompensating for never having won a great cup, you want to play as many sports as possible and win as many championships as you can in any context. So we're so we're raising money. We go out and on the actual day of motion ball, you play seven sports. You get paired with a special Olympic athlete. He's on your team. Uh, you've got women on your team. You've got all these great former uh, players and, and firemen there on our team. And we go play seven sports together. Okay. Uh, we played street hockey first. Okay. We won that sport. Okay. Uh, we played after that, we played, uh, something called bench ball, which is a lot like uh, dodgeball. Okay. Uh, we played bocce ball. Okay. Uh, we played kickball. Um, we played soccer. Uh, we played touch football and then we had one. Oh, and we played ultimate Frisbee even, right? You have these 30 minute games you play against all these other different teams. There's over 40 teams in this playing against each other. So we end up, we end up seven and zero at the end of the day. Okay. So actually 14 and zero if you count our team last year as well. So anyways, so we're seven and zero, and we're at the end of the day and we won first and foremost, the most important thing in this all our special Olympic athlete had a great time, but our team also raised the most money because when you're this competitive, though, we may be annoying when we play against people that are less competitive and did not sign up to play against a bunch of ex bombers that are overcompensating for having never won a championship. They didn't sign up for that, but Hey, we raised the most money. So get over yourself. So anyways, um, we get that title. We get the fundraising title. We're like, awesome. Cause last year we came third in fundraising. So we were super proud and stoked that we raised $7,000. My team alone did that. And, uh, so then we find out they have all the, all the special uh, Olympic athletes on each team stand up in this, in, at the Max Bell center at U of M. There's like five, 600 people there and they have all the special Olympic uh, players from each team stand up and they say, okay, if you only won one game, sit down two games da, 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 da. and comes down, our guys still standing. Obviously, as we told you, we won all the games, but there's three other teams that also went undefeated out of 40 teams and you know, it's going to happen, right? So like, well, you can only have one winner and it's special Olympic athletes and it's competition. So they bring out the bocce balls. Okay. And it's on the inside track at the Max Bell Center. So they throw the little white ball out. I don't know if you know how to play bocce ball, but throw the white ball out. It was a one ball elimination. So all four remaining undefeated teams, you get one ball to throw closest to that white ball. Okay. So just for those that don't know bocce ball, it's kind of like curling, right? Except there's no painted house. Yeah. This is the pseudo house, right? This is the pseudo target. Every single round, you throw out the white ball, that becomes the target. So hopefully people can picture that. So the final four... Undefeated teams, they all have one representative out there. They all, the white ball's out there. They all throw. Kenny goes, and uh, Kenny Jansen was our special athlete, and uh, he got close. Like, he literally put it probably three inches away Fantastic. from the white. So we we rush up on the stage. He gets the trophy. We put him on our shoulders. I got a picture. It's posted all over my Facebook and my Twitter page, but... And he told us after, like, you couldn't script any better, right? Because we were undefeated. We've won 14 games in a row, two years in a row. But now all of a sudden, that. and now all of a sudden, you know, it's coming down to a playoff. We had a, a one in four chance of winning this. But no, he keeps the streak alive, okay? And we put him on our shoulders. He's holding the trophy in the air. And he says to us after, he's like, I feel like I just won the Stanley Cup. Like, he was oh. so, 
so moved, so happy. It was just such a great ending to a fan. You don't get endings like that. Even in fantastic, you know, charities and and things that you do, just doesn't play out that way. But this kid was just, uh, oh, it was incredible. So we all felt great about it. So a lot of hard work that went into that. But well, what a what a weekend! Congratulations, and uh, what a fantastic story, and what an incredible feeling for. Uh, sorry, I missed his name. I should have written it down. Kenny Jansen. Kenny. Oh, Jansen. by the way, he texted me yeah. today because he had forgotten uh, the nickname that we had given him after this moment. He's like, what's my nickname again? I said, hey, it's Clutch Kenny. That is your new nickname of all time, forever to be remembered. He plays with us every year, right? So we we, we have a pact with him. We have a contract with him. Like, Kenny, we will only be involved in Motion Ball if you are on our team. So that was the second year in a row he was on our team, and now he's Clutch Kenny. All right, Clutch Kenny, we're giving you a shout-out. Congratulations. Congratulations to everyone involved in Motion Ball this year. Doug, in your call in Winnipeg Free Press, you talked about that Mo Leggett play. We touched on it a little bit earlier in the podcast, but take us a little bit you know, deeper into this. I know Mike Renault and uh, some of the former special teams guys, I know you don't consider yourself a special teams guy, but you, you know, you have the inside track and you get the inside knowledge on this stuff. One simple question for you. How did they pull that off? Yeah. You know, and that was just it because I didn't understand. I'm like, I'm like, they punted it down the left side. I'm like, who cares what Fogg's doing? Why didn't they go? So, so I called Mike Renault, former all-star punter with the Winnipeg Brewers. I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I'm like, they were punting from the left hash. I'm like, what was the call? He's like, well, 99 times out of 100, if you're punting from the left hash, it's a boundary left cover. So they're going to try, he's going to try and punt the ball on the numbers or inside. Okay, now there's Staying on the left side. Okay, so there's lots of people listening to the podcast, big fans, don't know all the vernacular. So if you are on the the short side of the field or the hash side, that's the boundary, and you typically don't punt all the way across the, no. the field. It, it seems like in your head that that would make sense yeah. in terms of trying to screw up the other team, but what it does, it screws up yourself because you can't cover that, right? Yeah, so it gives you them too much space and time right. to return the ball and speed going up and it's farther for you guys to cover. So you want to you want to kick it down in a straight line. You're trying to shrink the field as much yeah, as possible. Yeah, you want to kick it in a straight line for, and inside the numbers and pin them against the sideline so you get you get pursuit angles and you can, you can close that off. So so I'm like, Mike, uh, what was the call? He's like, well, it was obviously a boundary left cover. And I'm like, well, why the heck did 90% of their cover guys go to the right? Go to the wide side of the field. And uh, Totally he, counterintuitive. He's like, because even though they know where the kick's supposed to be going, that's pretty much where the trust of your punter ends because you go out there and uh, as Sean Gallant told me, and another uh, a special team coverage demon and a former safety with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, he said, you can't be looking up in the air to see where the ball is. He said, because you're going to get ear holed. That's how you get knocked out. I mean, people think uh, play on the trenches is violent. These guys run full speed at each other on special teams. He's like, he's like, you hear the call, but they punt. And you start looking at where the blockers are setting up. You're looking you start for cues. looking at where the returner's going to field the ball. That's what you're looking at. You might have heard from the punter that it's going to be a left boundary cover play, but hey, everybody's going to the other side of the field. That's where we're going, right? And, uh, you know, that's if, if you don't have a great sell, a sales job, can't pull that off. So it wasn't not only Kevin Fogg, but there was at least one Blue Bomber player 
pointing emphatically yeah. at Kevin Fogg yeah, because to get over yeah. to get over because this would be for the Bombers on the return. They also have a play on in terms of what they're trying to set up. Correct, yeah. Doug? Yeah, exactly. So, uh, and then you need a player like Mo Leggett that can you know be up you know on the line of scrimmage and then get to the depth of football and then go get where it was actually a perfect punt. It wasn't very long, but it was perfectly placed. Like in terms of a directional punt, it was inside the numbers. It was a yard or two off the sideline. And had the players just listened to their call, there's no way that's going even 10 yards, right? The the return is walled off, but because they had that intelligence to understand, you know, making smart plays like this is all about putting yourself into that punt team and say, okay, what are their cues? What are they doing? What are they looking for after the punt? How can we convince them that it's going here, even though it's probably going to go here? And they figured that out and they executed it perfectly. Very hard to do, you know, something like that. It, it, that's, that's a very risky play. But uh, they pulled it off and my hat's off to them. That was incredible. <laughs> High risk, high reward. There and that's sort of the way the Winnipeg Blue Bombers roll. Calgary Stampeders looked as though maybe they might fall to the Edmonton Eskimos, but as typical, you give them an opportunity, as we saw against the Blue Bombers last year. You can't give them the ball with any time on the clock. Uh, they go down, they score the go-ahead touchdown, thought Edmonton might come back. They had a chance. Craig Meal had an opportunity to kick a field goal. Uh, be kind of like you going out to kick a field goal, though, because Milo has been retired for a while. For the Eskimos, he was scouting for them. Their regular kicker is out. Are the Calgary Stampeders in a class all by themselves? Yeah, you know, I, I, well, at least they are in the regular season. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. And, uh, you know, that, that's the thing that makes me most excited about this Winnipeg football club and, and their chances this year is, you know, hopefully they can finish second. Hopefully they can get some momentum winning a home playoff game. And then if you have to go to Calgary, that's their problem, right, is, you know, finishing awesome in the regular season, getting everything they want in terms of playoff positioning, but not always winning the Grey Cup and not always getting to the Grey Cup, even though they have that first round bye and that home field advantage in the Western final. All the pressures on Calgary. Yeah, exactly. So that's, uh, but they're, you know, they are really the blueprint for successful organizations, sustained excellence, Calgary session planning. It's unbelievable how consistent they are, right? We're here, you know, in the in the middle of a a second good season, and it's unbelievable. Imagine if that was just the norm. That's what's happening last year and this year. That's just the average in Calgary. That's the minimum of what you expect to be going on when you play for the Calgary Stampeders. And the fact that they've been able to do this for so long, you know, that's their only problem is, oh, we haven't won enough titles based on how well we've played during the regular season. It's a good problem to have, I suppose. Yeah. And that's really goes over two decades. That's not just like a recent thing. That's over a 20 year thing. Goes back all the way to the Doug Flutie days when they were absolutely dominant. I digress. The Hamilton Tiger Cats on the other end of the spectrum. Look out. They've won two games in a row. The world beaters now, huh? Are you kidding me? What's going on here? They bring Jeremiah Mazzoli in. They sit down. Zach Caleros. The highest paid quarterback in the CFL. So which I guess makes the highest paid player in the entire league, uh, yeah, supposedly, yeah. or sitting on the bench. And so now all of a sudden Hamilton's in the conversation, get this folks, to actually win the Eastern Division title should some things go the right way for them. It can happen that quickly in this league. Yeah, things turn around and, and you know, I guess it is the impact that a coaching change. Sometimes 
players just start to tune somebody out. Uh, if it's not, if your style, your approach, your personality, your way of interacting with your players, if it's not resonating with them, guess what? They just start, you know, it's, it's white noise all of a sudden. And you just start to tune out your coach. And sometimes, you know, sometimes when there's a coaching change, things get even worse. But in this scenario, at least in the early return so far, looks to be the right move and they're finally responding. What I don't understand is how coaches, I mean, I know coaches are loyal. Their coach, coaches are sometimes loyal to a fault, but they can also make a decision on a dime. What took Kent Austin so long to the point where he fired himself and replaced himself that he just couldn't make that move to say, you know what, let's give Mazzoli a try here. He stuck with his guy, stuck with him to the bitter end. Talk a little bit about that loyalty play uh, when there is loyalty between coach and a player, because I suspect it's not all that common. Yeah, well, you saw, I mean, you see it with Mike O'Shea, how he was with Drew Willie, right? And, uh, you know, coaches, that's your most important player on the field. You almost they, had to, you, I can remember. And he went to po- his house when, when they, <laughs> you know, when they got rid of him. So it's, uh, it goes to show you the strength of that connection. And, and I remember you on the post game show after the Bombers uh, started out, they, right, they were one and four. Yeah. And you're like, like, did you think about putting Matt Nichols into the game? Nope. Nope, not even not for a, a second. Yeah. Did didn't, I, didn't, didn't matter it. how, what went down or how they played or whatever. So uh, when it's the most important player on your football team, you, you probably want to have a strong relationship with that guy. So it's, uh, you know. It, it, is that what it is? It's that quarterback position in particular? And Well, I, and I think, too, you, you put all your eggs in that basket. Like, right. I think Austin put all of his eggs in the Zach Clara basket. And to all of a sudden switch gears on that, you know, the guess the rest of the room looks at you like, you know, you're a hypocrite all of a sudden. If you if you back someone, you back someone, you back and then you just go away from that, right? It's just I don't know. It's tough to do to be all in on one quarterback. I mean, that's why it's better never to go on and on any of them. So you can have some level of objectivity still about you and you can make changes that are best for your football team and in the moment because you're not oversold on any one player, but you know, that's the nature of the game. Because when you're winning and times are great, that's my guy kind of thing. And you want him to know that you got his back and you're encouraging and he's the face of the franchise. And, you know, you'll never deviate from that until you have to. But if you can't, then you got to go. I tried to make the analogy of hockey coaches and goaltenders, the relationship has got to be different then, is what you're telling me. The relationship between a head football coach or an offensive coordinator and a quarterback is different probably than any other relationship in sport as it pertains to coach-athlete. Well, especially too, because... You know, you have the wrong relationship with your quarterback, and your head that can cost you your job as a head coach as well, right? It works both self, ways. So. A little bit of self-preservation involved. <laughs> yeah, it is. In, it is. Uh, you know, um, it is the onus is on you for sure to foster, nurture, develop, and uh, coddle that relationship because you know that's your livelihood is banking on that player as well. His success and failures. Very few coaches get to survive a lot. Of quarterbacks, right? That, that that come and go. Eventually, it's like, hey, you can't recognize talent, and or you can't develop these guys, and or you don't have the right schemes in place, so you're gone as well. And 
plus or minus if you have an accomplished quarterback that comes to your franchise and, and all of a sudden he's not good anymore. It's not him, it's you kind of thing. So it also it always depends on the guy too and his resume, what he brings to the table. Well, you used a chess analogy on the podcast last week. You have limited moves, you have limited pawns. Although it seems endless, there are very few dramatic moves that you can make as a head coach in order to prove a point. And uh, we're seeing it in Hamilton right now. I don't know if it can continue. The Bombers look to make things continue and to, to continue to win and to make really a statement that they should be considered as one of the favorites for the Grey Cup. I think if the season were ending now, you'd have Calgary Stampeders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers battling out for uh, the top team in the league. We'll see if that continues. Ottawa Rough Riders here Friday night, September 22nd, and hopefully we get our fourth crowd over 30,000 at IGF. Doug Brown, thanks for this. Hey, always a good time, my friend. We'll see you next week. Download, share, subscribe. It's the Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. The Blue Bomber Podcast with Doug Brown. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast in iTunes or at cjob.com. season of 911 on a new night Thursday March 14th on Global Stream on Stack TV